President Trump's former lawyer and fixer Michael Cohen is counting down his last hours as a free man. Yes. Because they had me on campaign finance. I've lost all my rights. I needed to get the truth out there. Listen, Michael, I love you. You're amazing. And uh, we will talk soon. Thank you, pal. All right, buddy. Bye now. Welcome to The Investigation. I'm Chris Blasto, senior executive producer here at ABC News. Along with me in the studio, John Santucci and Matt Moss, two senior producers who have been tracking and covering all things President Trump since day one. Today is a big day for President's former lawyer and fixer, Michael Cohen. He is sitting in jail in Otisville Federal Penitentiary in New York, where he's going to spend the next three years and two months. But before he went to jail, he stood out in front of his Park Avenue apartment and had this to say. I hope that when I rejoin my family and friends, that the country will be in a place without xenophobia, injustice, and lies at the helm of our country. There still remains much to be told. And I look forward to the day that I can share the truth. And thank you all very much. Michael Cohen has fallen from being President Trump's fixer and golden boy to now sitting in a jail cell. And we have not heard a lot from Michael Cohen. Yes, he testified in Congress. Yes, he gave an interview to George Stephanopoulos. But he also has established a unique relationship with Tom Arnold. You know Tom Arnold. He's an actor who's appeared in over 130 films and has become kind of a gadfly in this story with Donald Trump. He did a show called The Hunt for the Trump Tapes where he was looking for scandalous videotapes that would be incriminating against the president. And he has also been tweeting up a storm about the president and has talked about his hatred of Donald Trump. But it was one tweet that he put out with Michael Cohen at the Regency Hotel that they began to form a bond. And over time, he and Cohen have had many conversations on the phone, in person, and on text. But one phone conversation was discreetly recorded by Arnold, and he is now sharing that tape with ABC News and The Wall Street Journal. So here's our interview with Tom Arnold. Can you tell us, Tom, how you've gotten involved in all this? And and, and how did you meet up with Michael Cohen? Well, uh, you know, I'm, a, I'm not a journalist like you guys are, are fantastic at, at what you do and uh, have, uh, have a ton of respect for what you do. But uh, uh, Donald Trump is uh, so, uh, so uh, inappropriately qualified to be president that even his enemies like myself are D-list. And, uh, and I happen to have known Donald Trump for 30 years, so I know everybody in his orbit and people like Felix Sater and, and uh and and Michael Cohen have 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 come into my over. I'm just a private citizen who exercises my First Amendment rights, and I care about my country. I have a, a six-year-old son and a three-year-old daughter, and so uh, uh, Michael Cohen. I'll, I'll talk about specifically. Um, I I had a TV show uh, called The Hunt for the Trump Tapes, and and and, and I, I enjoyed doing the show, and uh, and I and they had uh, Vice had, had seen my my tweets about Trump, which are how I, you know, would would respond and reach out to people and say, you know, I've seen this or that because I know a lot of the people that worked with uh, uh, Donald Trump on The Apprentice and I've spent time with Donald Trump. He, 
you know, uh, my relationship with Donald Trump was such that he would call my house a lot and ask me to do The Apprentice, he and Mark Burnett. And I, I never could get my head around doing The Celebrity Apprentice because I didn't see what the advantage was to, you know, shockingly, I did not do it. And they they, they do offer you a lot. And that's the, the small amount of my soul I still have left. So anyway, when he runs for president, it becomes a, a real a deal. And I get involved in, in last summer. I went to, to New York City, and I knew that Michael Cohen was staying at the Regency, um, and, and I wanted to, to run into Michael Cohen. I, I thought it was important that Michael Cohen flipped on the president. Um, you know, for the research I do, it for from genuine uh, journalists, I, I, I felt that was important, and I knew that he would be staying at the Regency, and we were filming, and I'd hoped to run into him. I knew I stay at the Regency a lot. My friends own the Regency. I know the people that work there, and if you know the doorman, you know kind of the comings and goings, and you, and you guys know this. So we'd wrapped up shooting, and um, I was talking to my friend from uh, Rolling Stone who'd been kind of uh, embedded with me for six months, and I said, he said, you, what you guys just said, you know a lot of these same people. And I, 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 he says, too bad you didn't get to see Michael Cohen. And I said, he is walking in the door right behind you. <laughs> and so, bam, I went up to him and you know introduced myself. I didn't know if it was going to go badly. You know, I'm also a guy that believes that in this time I'm not objective. You guys have to be objective. There's good guys and there's bad guys right now. And I didn't know if it was going to go well with Michael Cohen. Um, you know, people like Steve Tisch, who owns the hotel, said he's a good guy. And so I, I, I you know, introduced myself and I said, Steve Tisch says you're a good guy. And I'm Steve's uh, son's godfather. And he's and he says, oh, my son's his age. And anyway, he seemed like a very nice guy. We took a. A picture together. Brian Hyatt from Rolling Stone took a picture of us. I tweeted that. I stayed downstairs a little bit with Brian, and by the time I got upstairs, it was it was a big story that we took the picture. And they had already called a uh, uh, Michael Cohen, uh, somebody from the press. He, by the way, he has a lot of friends in the press. And uh, he, they said, "Are you going to do Tom Arnold's show?" And he said, "You'll have to ask Tom." He didn't say, "No, that's just a picture." So it was already a big thing. So I said, "You know, of course, we're taking down Trump," and I exaggerated our, our our comments at the in the entryway of the Regency, but I knew for sure I wasn't leaving the hotel until he had broken up completely with Donald Trump because he had both feet, you know, in the door and I stayed there um until until he until George Stephopoulos got there to do the you know, to do it right. But listen, today, though, we want to talk about tapes that you did get and we have and you have graciously given to us with Michael Cohen. First off I know you didn't know Michael Cohn from that day at the Regency Hotel, but then all of a sudden you guys started communicating with each other. Can you tell us how the how these were recorded? Did he know you were recording him? Was he complicit in this? How, how did this go down? Well, I mean, my iPad. I mean, it's a video. I think you guys have. Yeah. It's a badly recorded video. You know, uh, we hadn't spoken since uh, the summer. We had a very, you know, I was I was pretty mean to him. Because I really needed him to, you know, he he's a very sweet guy, but he wanted to keep a foot in the door at the White House last summer, and it was he just couldn't do it. He, the his relationship with Trump is was a bad marriage, a bad relationship. He wanted to stay buddies with the people in the White House, and and there's just no way to do that and then do the right thing for the country. And so I I was pretty tough love on him. I was pretty mean to him, very mean. So that the first time I called him was the 25th of, of March. And uh, and 
you know, I, I it was the Monday after the Mueller thing uh, had been handed over to Barr, and he did the sub subbery, the the crap subbery, and and uh, and I said, you know, my thinking was, I'm going to call this guy, you know, I'm just going to say, listen, man, I told you I'd be there for you if you flipped. I'm going to be the guy that's there. I'm going to thank you, and kind of had some notes, and so I called a, this journalist that was kind of in between us, and. And so I finally I just called him, and he called me right back. And then we talked, and, and then all of a sudden, uh, Mike Lavinati's getting indicted live on TV. So we take a break. We watch that live. You know, I'm in Ottawa, uh, Canada. He's in New York City. Then we get back on, and we talk for, like, you know, you like two guys talking, mostly just talking, not listening. But well- you well, know, listen, that's, that's, and, 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 and actually, let me throw let me throw to one of the sound bites that we have. These tapes kind of show aside a little more. It's, it's kind of, even though Michael Cohen has testified before Congress and he has said his plea, the, these tapes sound a little more... Um, genuine. Yeah, genuine. He's less performing. And mm-hmm. let's, let's, let's listen to this first one. After over 100 hours of testimony, right, including seven and a half hours of being beaten up on national television, you know, international television, you know, you would think that you would have folks, you know, stepping up and saying, you know what, um, this guy's lost everything. Yeah. I mean, everything. My, you know, my family's happiness, my law license, um, you know, I lost, you know, I lost my business, I lost, you know, everything, my insurance, my bank accounts, all, all, for, all for what? All, all for what? Because Trump, you know, had an affair with a porn star. That's really what this is about. Yep. There's no tax evasion. And the HELOC, I have an 18% loan to value on my home. Right. How could there be a HELOC issue? That's now, right. That's right. Right? That's it's, absolutely it's a, right. It's a lie. But they had me on campaign finance. They were going to file, as Petrillo put in his memo, an 85-page indictment that was going to include my wife. And you know what? I love this woman. Yes, I'm is. not going to let her get dragged into the mud of this crap. And I never thought the judge was going to throw a three-year freaking sentence, you know, and it's, um, it's terrible. It's and what terrible. they're doing, what they can do to, to anybody is just, it's obscene. This is a beaten man there, Tom. I and mean, this was obviously right after his testimony on the Hill. I mean, he seems broken, don't you think? Well, I mean, he, he wanted to talk to somebody. This is, I'm just going to give you the, when I, I recorded this, He's talking about things like HELOC. I don't know the financial stuff. I recorded it so I could write everything down. I fly to New York that weekend, that Friday, spend five days down there, sit with him, take notes. I meet his wife, his daughter. I'd met his son already. Sit with him, take notes because he he did, the FBI did release his other server. I take notes. I ask him every question. He opens up all his devices, gives me every contact, all kinds of people that he's done favors for that owe him favors. Because you know what? People need to step up for him, too. First of all, he, he's unable to do this himself. He can't sp- say these words on this tape himself because he's, you know, made a deal. He can't speak. He can't give an interview. And, and I thought, how often does, a, a, you know, every man and woman gets, should be able to tell their truth. He it, and, and also, do you hear his voice? He sounds. He doesn't sound like he's panicky or or under oath or or just, this is two guys talking. And also, he's talking to me, so I ramble on, and then he gets to talk honestly, and then I well, ramble on. And so, I said to him, "Listen, it's the best of all worlds. You could blame me if anybody says anything. You say Tom Arnold recorded me, man. Tom Arnold's a jerk. He recorded me. I didn't know it. So that's the best thing 
going, you can always blame me. This is the perfect situation. Well, and Tom, let's just play a little more sound from that conversation we have with Michael, because he talks about the 10 years that he worked for Donald Trump. Take a listen to this. And you, you, take, you take it, but I had a mission that I needed to um, fulfill, and I needed to get the truth out there. And, and very hard when you, know, you spent 10 years taking care of somebody and their family look i I always knew you know who he was and what he was and so on but it didn't really matter because it's he's a small microcosm of new york real estate it's very different when you start looking to seeing what's happening now in the country and you right and you kind of saw to uh, tom that when he gave those remarks when he was leaving his uh manhattan apartment um on monday heading up uh, to surrender to federal authorities to begin his three-year sentence. He said there's more truth to come out. W- what are some of the things that you gained uh, just in your conversations of speaking to him that well, are sort of the coming attractions? Well, you know, he's got a bunch of, you know, he, he raised a lot of money for the RNC, and he, he saw a lot of, uh, he raised $140 million for them, but he saw a lot of, you know, <laughs> they, the way they raised money. And uh, he sat in a room with specific people and, you know, he, he, you know, he started working for Trump right up, you know, during the time of the financial crisis in, in the real estate world. And, and so Trump had to was was broke and he had to reach out to people like Jeffrey Epstein, you know, people that are, you know, had have issues. And, and so he knows all of that. That's why when he testified, they sent out 81 subpoenas to specific people and he practiced what he was going to testify with. So they could set out the subpoenas to Weisselberg and those other people because he knows what's on the other side of that in 2008 or nine. Yeah, but see, but Tom, the problem with Michael Cohen is that he lied for years for Donald Trump and lied to every reporter in, in town and, and lied publicly, lied on TV shows. Why did it lie now? Some on the Republican side said he lied again, even after he flipped to Congress. Why should we believe anything about Michael Cohen? Isn't that the problem here? No, the problem is Donald Trump. I mean, to me, it seems like that's a big problem. It seems like he's the problem. Michael Cohen's going to prison. He's paying for his crimes. So really, it seems like the problem is the guy that calls up Vladimir Putin and uh, the, who t- attacked our country during the 2016 election. And he calls him immediately and says, oh, don't worry about that. I'm going to talk to you for an hour and a half. Nobody's going to know what we talk about. That seems like the problem. Michael Cohen's in prison for three years and two months. So take what you want from him. Hey, Tom, actually on that point, I wanted to just hear a little bit about you, what you and Michael Cohen said to each other about uh, foreign leaders, leaders in North Korea and uh, some of these other countries. Let's play that and, and get your thoughts on it. In the world... You know, they put sanctions on North Korea and he removes them. Right, right. He likes Kim Jong-un because he's my friend. (laughs) What kind of nonsense is this? You know, I mean, you got Jared and Ivanka who are there kissing up to Mohammed bin Salman who kills kills this journalist who by coincidence happens to be um, a cousin of one of my very close friends. Yeah, yeah, I'm not really sure why you'd want to be friends with them or even call somebody like that friends. Hey, yeah, Charles Manson, he's my best friend. You know what? what? Uh, I want to go have dinner with Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This is this is the guy who was Donald Trump's most loyal uh, uh, advocate for a long time. He really has a dark view of the president. 
But you but, believe the transformation, you believe that Michael Cohen has really changed since when you first met him. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what is, you know, that's what was, was pretty wonderful about him explaining working for Donald Trump 10 years in the, you know, in the real estate business, because people need an explanation for that. How, how could you work for this guy? He's got father issues, obviously, guys. How do you get involved with somebody like Donald Trump? It's insane. But to explain the difference between that and now, you know, there's no saints among us, any of us. You know, he made some horrible judgment calls, horrible mistakes. He's going to prison. You know, Donald Trump Jr. has made some horrible mistakes. He's not going to prison. You know, he's, but, what, he's, you but know. Tom, one one person who may was facing charges as well. We have one more recording here who is Michael Cohen's nemesis, uh, Mr. Avenatti. So let's oh, listen yeah. to this oh, conversation. Oh, I don't I don't enjoy other people's, you know, misery. Right. You know, it's. You know, like, look at what's happening to Avenatti. It's called karma boomerang. Yeah. Right? The guy, the guy lied about me every single day. Yeah. Right. And the and the world loved it. What do you think he thinks? So, do you think Michael Avenatti? I mean, how does he feel about Michael Avenatti? <laughs> oh my God, he hates Michael Avenatti. Here's the thing, Michael Avenatti. You know, only men like Michael Avenatti and Donald Trump run for president the first time they, they want to serve any kind of office. No woman would go, you know, I'm going to serve my, I'm going to run for president. Like with only a man would do that. You know, my, they should, in the, in, in, the, in the good world, they would have teamed up together because, you know, it worked together. Michael Avenatti, you know, he hates them. They're, they're arch enemies, both of them. Michael Avenatti hates Michael Cohen. Like, why are they fighting? Why does Michael Avenatti fight with everybody too? It's it's bullshit. You know, Michael Avenatti. You know, there's something up with him too. It's ridiculous. He has to he has to take everybody down. Everybody, good, bad. I got to take everybody. I got to slay every dragon. Well, guess what? You know, it's a karma boomerang. As he says, I don't know. It's but, ridiculous. Usually, I don't know. Uh, better ass. What can I tell you? But what do you think at the end of the day when Michael Cohen is sitting up in jail at Otisville? What do you think he's thinking about right today? You know, my sister went to the Martha Stewart prison for, for 10 years. She uh, And I went to visit her, and it was very similar. And uh, it's pretty sweet. Let me tell you something. Uh, the one in West Virginia. Sweet. I don't know. Uh, yeah. It's, I went there to speak to several times to speak to the women. And you will never be as appreciated as you are when you speak in a women's prison. Now, that's a sidebar. Um, Michael Cohen, what is he thinking? You know, here's what I want him to think. And what my pep talk this weekend, your son, and this is stupid. Did I even say this on the tape? I say a lot of nonsense on that tape because I was nervous. I also wanted genuinely, I want him to know he did a good thing. He came through, you know, his son's going to school for four years. When he gets out, Michael Cohen will be out and it is going to be a new world. And he did make a difference. You know, I don't know what people think. He genuinely is a good guy. You know, we all make mistakes. I mean, he's, you know, he's away from his kids. Can you imagine that, guys? Can you imagine that? Uh, I mean, you know, it, it, all the all of our, our uh, guts, uh, ego and bullshit, when they close, yeah, they do close the cell. It's a prison, man. It's no matter what you say, it's not okay. They took away his law license. They took away everything. They do shut out the lights. It sucks. And he's been he's been rich. He was super rich when he met Trump. And it's going to suck. And your freedom is gone. And it is scary. And it's traumatizing. And 
it's going to suck. And there's no, it, it, it just, it, it's going to be scared. He's going to be that little kid. He was the little kid that was scared enough to work for Donald Trump and think that guy's going to make my life. Okay. I'm going to work for that guy. So yeah, he's going to be scared. So it's going to take him a while. Let's take a quick break and we'll have more with Tom Arnold and his tapes when we get back. Welcome back to The Investigation. I'm Chris Vlasto, Senior Executive Producer of ABC News, joined by John Santucci and Matt Mosk, and our special guest, Tom Arnold, who has brought his tapes of recorded conversations with Michael Cohen. Tom, I mean, I really want to go back to just more of the things that you got out of him uh, when you were speaking to him, because part of what you talk about uh, with him is that he recaps to you uh, the hours of testimony um, he gave. Obviously, all Americans saw the public testimony he gave, but he also gave testimony behind closed doors. And he was talking to you um, about a conversation he had with Eric Swalwell, Democrat from California, running for president. Let's take a listen to that. You speak to Swalwell? Oh, yes, of course. So did you, you know, enter my 16 hours of testimony before his committee? Yes. Um, you know, he, we were sitting and just talking for, you know, a few minutes. And even during the during the hearing, I around and I said, you know, uh, the Republicans were attacking me vociferously. Yes. I mean, you would think that, that I had, you know, killed one of their grandchildren. <laughs> I mean, it was, they were so... So tough. They were so angry, and they were so, you know, nasty. Yeah. Each and, and and you know, I had to just sit there and sort of swallow it, right? Yeah. And then um, I kind of said, you know, I said, Do you mind if I say something here in my defense? And they, they said, yeah. And I said, you didn't think I was this bad of a guy when I was out there raising 140 million dollars. For the RNC <laughs> right? So I see Eric turn around and he starts like covering his mouth because he's a. So I said, so let me say this, right? Those days of me um, asking friends for a lot of money for the RNC is over. And if there's anybody in this room, right, that's contemplating on a presidential run, right? So I have a lot of very wealthy friends, and a lot of them, you know, uh, are very, you know, happy to donate to, to where I ask them to. So just give me a call. Oh my! <laughs> so Swall starts crafting off, and he's like, you know, then afterwards he was like, that was the funniest thing I've ever seen. It's like, you know, you shut them up. They're attacking me as if I'm the worst human being on the planet. Yes. But they thought I was the greatest. Oh, of course they did. Me, Steve Wynn, Elliot Broidy. Elliot. Um, you know, the, um, uh, which, uh, um, DeJoya, uh, uh, you know, um, when the four of us were raising money like it was going out of style. So, Tom, t- 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 talk a little bit, though, about um, what he's describing there. Because, you know, we, when we were talking at the top of this interview, we were saying, what are those coming attractions there? Obviously, what we're seeing in the Southern District New York investigation right now uh, related to the president's inauguration is that there's questions being raised about how money was raised and how that money was spent. Do you get the sense from talking to him that there are potentially questions about where some of these donations came from when he was chairing the RNC, people that maybe uh, should not have donated money? Well, that's exactly what uh, what I was talking about. And, and that's uh, when I uh, – and it, this is public record. When I mentioned people like Mark Burnett, it's been in the New York Times. You know, there's people that have access to Donald Trump and, and they – bring people from Russia to set up meetings with Donald Trump. Michael Cohen also was involved with that, by the way. 
you know. Who else besides Mark Burnett, though? Who are some of the names that he told you of people? I mean, there's a, there's, there's probably, you know, I'm focused on Mark Burnett, you know, and he has, there, there's those, there's 3,000 hours of, of footage that I would like to re- get out to. Well, so, listen, Tom, you know, I know, I don't think Michael Cohen now as a felon could vote, but, you know, the election <laughs> no. is coming up in two years. So who do you think he'd vote for? Who knows? Who knows who anyone would vote for? It's so far away. It's, it's You say two years, it's less than two years, but that is a lifetime, you guys. Who knows what's going to happen next week? I'm going to say this. Trump is going to resign before then. He's going to get frustrated. He's going to get mad. He's going to resign. Mark it down. It is so far away, guys. It's a million years away. Maybe I'm wrong. But what I'm going to do is, my I love this country. What a great country where Tom Arnold can ch- take the president's fixture, Donald Trump, the most powerful man in the world, his lawyer, and be part of him flipping on the president of the United States, testifying. His, the president of the United States' son is tweeting about me. I am making the president of the United States crazy. I am playing a tiny part in this because it's that important. Justice, the truth, my country is that important to me that I am. I have a small part in it, and that's what's great about America. We're a democracy. There are checks and balances. We do. It's been crazy, but there's something every citizen could do. Voting is number one. Speaking up is number two, and I'm going to keep doing it. And by the way, people come to me, guys. It's not just I don't have to seek out these Trump people. People come to me all the time. I didn't, you know. So, uh, and I pass people on to people in your business all the time. So, and thank God for you people in your business because they are genuinely saving the world every day. Well, Tom, that's a perfect way to end this podcast. We can't thank you enough for joining us. It was really great. Thank you very much. Thank you guys. Thanks for joining us today. Please be sure to hit subscribe and leave us a rating or a comment. We welcome your feedback. Thanks to our producers, Trevor Hastings and Caitlin Fulmer. For my colleagues, Matt Mosk and John Santucci, we'll see you back next week for another episode of The Investigation.